Hello and welcome to the Lower League Ramblings. Now this week we've got something a bit different. I've got three guests on and it's surrounding one issue and that issue is gambling and football. Since I started playing 10 years ago or so, or even before then, even in my university days, there always seems to be this culture within every dressing room of gambling. And it surrounds football and I don't know what it is, for whatever reason it is. And it's causing more and more problems as the years go by. Um, I've seen people get gripped by it. Um, and something that struck me is hypocrisy of gambling companies funding every facet of football, podcasts, live football, um, pretty much throughout the adverts, throughout something that doesn't sit well with me. So with that in mind, i got a couple of guests on who have struggled themselves personally with gambling. A player, an ex-player, um, and someone from a gambling charity. So our guest today, our first guest, is a former teammate of mine. It's Michael McKenna. He played with me. I had no idea that he was he was struggling with gambling issues. He kept that very quiet. So it just shows you it was causing carnage in his personal life, but you couldn't see it. It was simmering underneath the surface. So I was amazed when he reached out to me um, and agreed to come on. And we had a right good chat about his personal battle, but also what he's done to overcome that and how he's now in control. And also dip our toes in the water off the hypocrisies of football advertising and, and what things could be done to, to make that better. Anyway, I've been rambling for far too long. So, without further ado, I bring you Michael McKenna. Michael McKenna, how are we? Aye, good. Just um, doing what I can during lockdown. and But I'm um, quite lucky just now because obviously I'm working and I'm playing football still, so I quite, feel quite privileged, actually. Yeah. But uh, yeah, all good. All good here. I've seen your, uh, your goal at the weekend, mate. I had to, I had to subscribe to your United TV um, to see it, I genuinely, I had to subscribe. Like, because I've seen on Twitter it was the maybe a screamer, so I have to subscribe. Didn't have to pay anything, but I've subscribed and I've seen it. And it is. Do you know, it's decent. It's decent. Have you seen it? Ah, I've seen it as well. I think I've Air United. Um, the folk I've got subscribing to watch it, they'll be booming. Mate, class. Air United will be, be making a lot of money now with all these new subscribers. Where have you pulled that that technique from? Because when I trained with you, you were more just red cards and two foot tackles. Well, I, we thought that until uh, me and David done a wee bit investigating, and we actually realised that you've got five reds and I've got four. Ah, but you four all one season. <laughs> <laughs> no, but your red did it better because I mean, that is a poem. That is a shocking challenge. Like. Yeah, head loss for that. I, mean, <laughs> I, wa- I watched that game back a couple of weeks ago, and it was so baffling. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know what to do. I just walked off, and then Bobo had me for a deck full time. He wasn't happy. Yeah, it changed the game. Eh? Probably changed the whole season, actually. Yeah. Uh, let's not dwell on that because we ended up losing by like a point or something. Dick Campbell, though, I see. Did you see his uh, VT on Sky? <laughs> Thoughts. Thoughts ah, on bro, it. He loves it though. Eh? How funny it. is he? Eh? Oh, brilliant. You got a Dick Campbell story for me that I might have missed over the last wee while. Anything to share? Um, oh, so many. I went through my WhatsApp chat for straight after training. <laughs> uh, it's been given at the 
they shout a lot about how you used to get two points for a win years ago. If, it, if that was still the case, we wouldn't be too far away. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're drawing a lot, so you've got one point for a draw. He's like, wasn't that long ago? You used to get two for a win, but now you get three for a win. So you need to start winning games and no drawing them. Yeah, he's incredible. I was talking about it to someone about him the weekend. No, my favourite thing, two of my favourite things are see when a young boy signs on loan for somewhere, right? And you've uh-huh. been playing with Dick, you know what Dick's like. And you know that young boy has an idea and he comes in. And he does a team talk, you just watch the young boy's face and he has oh, no fucking idea what's going on. I love it. It's analysing. Yeah. And he's just... telling you all these jokes and... <laughs> the young boys look a bit like the man might be laughing here or what's going on the other thing he does was uh, see when he gets like a, he used to get young keepers or whatever he used to get someone alone he used to go right, the boy would be nervous he'd be like um, what, everything alright you, you're nervous and the, the guy would try to put on that he'd be like no 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 I'm, uh, I'm absolutely I'm absolutely fine I'm ready to go he'd be like well I'm fucking nervous son for you <laughs> <laughs> the guy would just be shitting himself like a leaf <laughs> Oh, some he's, guy. he's one of our kind, eh? Some guy. Right, we'll get, we'll get into this podcast. The reason I'm, I've got Mikey on, and um, it's a bit more a serious issue, I want to talk about um, a gamble on sport, and I've got a few guests coming on, but Mikey was, was good, and Mikey reached out, and you told me stuff I didn't really know, but even though I played with you for a few years and stuff, and you said you were quite willing to come on and, and talk about gambling as an issue uh, in football, Um and to be honest, Mike, I didn't know half the stuff until you sort of said. So um, it's it's probably something that's came as a surprise to me as well as probably others who are listening to this. But were you? What's your personal experience with gambling? In terms of how, how did you how did you get into it in the first place? Your introduction to it. Oh yeah, I, well, the reason you don't know is I've tried to. I'm not very vocal about it because I'm not. No reason I'm maybe doing this is because if it can, if it can even help one person maybe come out because that's that's the way I dealt with it I had to come out and be as open as I can that was the only way I could actually get over it I'm still not over it now but I'm on I'm in, in control of it so I but gambling for me started I would say my first recollection would be my dad used to play for Musbury Athletic Football Club and they had a little club just next to it called Oscars, which was like a bar. And that's where you used to go after the games and things for maybe like a little bite to eat and some of the players would get a drink. And I would only be maybe 10 year old. And there was an older guy I used to hang about with who he used to collect all the footballs that went over the fences and he got money for it. And he used to play the bandit. I think he must've been maybe 16 at the time. So the, the fruit machine, I remember being quite fascinated with it. I don't know if, if that got me into it or, or anything, but I, I always remember thinking, like, I used to think he had loads of money because he was always winning money. And obviously, I was just naive and young at the time. He was obviously losing a lot more than what he was winning. That was my first first time I actually thought, like, oh, I was mesmerised by this machine. See, so when you sort of get into, when you turn 18 or whatever, did it step up in any way? Was what age was it when you when you got into like official gambling football or or roulette or all that? Was it a, a stage you got into that? So I just started left school, 16, 17 year old, and then started my my work as a I was doing a labouring with my mate's dad before I started my apprenticeship. And I was getting cash in hand for him, 16 year old, and then that got to the stage where I was right to the bookies on a Friday. Brothers ID, 
I think I got maybe £150 a week, which was good money for me. I still stayed in my, stayed at home, so I had no outgoings at all. And that money was gone, gone within maybe an hour, two hours, most most weeks. Like, so I'd maybe leave myself £10. And I, that was actually my idea, like justifying that I'm, I will, I'm leaving myself something for the week, which is absolutely ludicrous. Like I'm spending 90% of my wage. Leaving a little bit and thinking I'm being clever. It's, so you're you're budgeting on two pound a day for the rest of the week, maybe getting your lunch. Um, so that's how that started. It was my mate's dad's company, so it got to the stage where my mom would actually speak to him and take my wages direct for him, and then I'd get uh, sort of pocket money when I needed it from my mom. That's what stage it got to. Um, but I found ways around that as well. <laughs> You'd end up just lying and saying stuff. So I'd maybe start. Saying to my, my boss, saying, Oh, my mum told me this week up just to get my wages because um, she's out, so she won't be able to collect it for you. So I'd get them, lose them. And then my mum was like, Where's your wage? Phoning, phoning him, asking what's happening. And I'm just obviously upsetting people left, right, and centre. Mm-hmm. Um, that was that was how I first, my first sort of flashbacks to being in bootmakers is back to that time. Um, but then it got worse than that. It got, the stakes got higher. And, like everyone else, you, you chase bigger, bigger wins, and you want that bigger fix. Uh, I was just, see when you think back, you say so young, and it looks quite like already you're sort of lying, and you're being deceitful to try and get ways around it. But is there a mm. stage? Are you at the time? Are you enjoying the gambling? Are you enjoying the process of? Are you enjoying oh. going in and actually putting the slots? Or is it just like it's taken over yet, or is it an enjoyment thing? Or is it a mix? No, I was, I was loving it. It was obviously when you. It's probably a similar relationship to when you drink, or if you have, if you're trying to lose a bit of weight and you don't have that bar of chocolate, you're like at the time you're brilliant. After it, you feel terrible, mm-hmm. um, unless you win at gambling. That is, but I remember thinking like, so the this was my the routine for me. It would be obviously wages on a Friday, lose them, and then all I'd be thinking like Saturday and never doing that again. Sunday and that can I do that? Look how look what it's doing to me, I can't even afford that, I can't do anything with my friends. The moment I got to like Thursday and I was getting paid Friday, it was a different story. I was oof, thinking it again, couldn't wait to get there. And I actually remember, when, as soon as I got my wages, I'd actually run to the bookmakers. I was that happy, I was that excited, I was running. I couldn't even walk because I wanted to just get there. And as soon as I got inside the place, I was like, in my element, that's me back. And obviously I'm telling you, I'm, Bear in mind, sometimes I'm winning money, so you think you're you think you're the king. You've, you're going about a young boy with big wads of cash, but it's all insignificant. Insignificant at the end of the day. Aye, aye. It's, 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 it sounds a bit like you no. Know, when you've had, I, I've not had experience, bad experience with gambling. But it's not something I went into. But no, it sounds like it's when you've had that that session where you've been drinking and it's great at the time, and you wake up in the following yeah. day and you're like, that's it, that's me, never drinking again, never drinking, and then the next week yeah. it comes and you're. It's a similar uh, yeah. kind of idea, is that? It's yeah, it's very similar. Very, very similar. Like it's, it's like the, the fight inside your head. There's two. There's one side telling you to do it, and there's another side that's like being, well, remember what it's done to you last week? Is this what you really want to do? And then it's just a battle, and you have to, you have to like, can, it's learning how to control it, but obviously we'll, we'll touch on that way. the more we get in depth it, because obviously I'll, I'll tell you my techniques and how what helped me and things. Get into that, we'll get into that. 
Could you estimate how much you've probably frittered away in gambling? Say in your life, could you estimate roughly? Um, I think for whatever reason, I had money on a Thursday. I don't know. Then they asked me how. And I must have won during the week. And this older guy that I'd played pool with a lot and things like that, I was. I got to a stage where the bookies were shut. Five o'clock, the bookies were shut. So I think at this stage, they weren't open as late as you remember how they're open to like half nine, ten now. I think at this stage, it was shut at like five, six. So I was like, can I had £400 on my ass? I remember it now. I had £400 and we were playing um, snooker up at the New Yorker and there's a bookmaker's next door. So obviously, brilliant. Gave me a snooker in and out. Not even focusing on what I'm meant to be there to do. Just totally focused on nipping next door to get a bet on. And that that shot, so I was like gutted because I had money on me. I was like, it's almost like I needed to get rid of this money. I was like, can I go home with £400? That's, come on a roll here. So I said to the guy um, who was older, I was like, we're just going to get a taxi back. And then we went, unless you want to go to the casino. And that's where you can win proper money. So I was just like, down for that straight away. Not even a question asked. Had my, my passport on me, my brother's passport. So up to York Place we go. And it must have got seven, eight o'clock. So we went in there. We just started off slowly. I was just betting on the blackjack and things, trying to just take it all in. The first time in a casino, I was like mesmerised. And I got bored at blackjack because it's not, for me, that wasn't quick enough. It was far too slow. Like I wanted to win big, quick. So I went to roulette. So I think I'd won a wee bit of blackjack, maybe got myself up to like £600. And within two hours, I had 16 grand in my pocket. £16,000. 17-year-old boy. And I'm got my workies on still. And this, the guy on with, he's been drinking and watching and laughing. And he's telling all these people in the casino that I'm a professional football player and that I'm signing, like, signing bits of paper for people. I've got like Dickie's work trousers on. I don't know how they fell for it. <laughs> Because I'm betting this, I'm betting like a thousand pound every spin, but I'm not even, not even for one second realizing how much money I'm actually betting here. Like, so I got to, I cashed all my chips in, so it's sixteen thousand pound, like stuffed in my jacket, my trousers, and packets, packets of a thousand pound, and I just like looking back now, it's like, if I speak to anyone, they say, oh, surely you walked away with that, but. Normal people wouldn't even get in the position that they've won that money. So I'm not going to be in the position where I'm going to start being sensible. Now. I've, my brain's obviously thinking, this is easy, this, this is next level. So within, I was about to leave and I remember the manager saying, like, we'll open a, a separate table for you to play it and gave me a drink and everything. And I was just like, so naive at the time. And within like an hour or two hours, it was doing it 2,000. And I walked away with 2,000. I don't know why. And I ended up, I think I stayed off my work the Friday, stayed at that guy's house. This is how much a state I was in. Stayed in the guy's house. Don't even know if I told my mum and dad. They're probably wondering what's going on. And that morning, obviously, all I could think of it was bookies. Just as soon as the bookies open, I'm gone. And bookies open at 9 or 10 in the morning. But at that time, there's nothing to bet on. The sports not started yet. Greyhounds, horses, there's nothing on. So just on the machines and within two hours, that two grand is gone. Absolutely not a penny left. £16,000 within well, space of a few hours, actually, in terms of gambling. So that was probably the, the big one stroke loss that actually kicked off what was like going to be a really bad 
few years with gambling. That's crazy story. It just seems like even from your young age as well, you're talking about seeing your the, the, your mate on the fruity and then the lights of the casino and all that. And it's just like yep. the risk and the excitement to it just seems to have drawn you in. But that's like such a high 16 G's uh, and then straight down to nothing within the space of a few hours. Man, it's crazy. Yeah. See, see like the impact on your your like when it got bad. Your impact on your on your life was it like in terms of. I know you for football, I know your family a bit, um, I know you run your own Sparky company, but in terms of yeah. football, did it have a big impact on you in terms of football at the time, or was it at that stage you were quite oh, 100%. Yeah, did. That's probably, at the time I, I stopped playing football completely, wasn't interested in it. Between the ages of 17 and 20, I never kicked a ball, which is vital, when looking back now, that is vital years in your development. That's when I actually, because I used to be quite small when I was younger, and I took a stretch at that age. And if I, I think if I was playing football that age, I would have had a different career completely. Um, I'm not saying like I played and trained. I never touched a ball for like three years. Wasn't interested in it. Wasn't interested in diet, anything like that. It was totally off the rails in terms of, um, well, gambling was at the forefront of all of it, but that led to other stuff. Um, that brought a few other bad habits along the way. So it's it definitely impacted my, my football career, I think. See, so it's obviously done your development, but see when you were like, did were you still gambling when you were playing it? Like, I'm, I'm trying to think, Livingston, Berwick? Um, uh, Livingston, <clears throat> uh, well, obviously, Livingston's going forward a few years. Yeah. And I was time out my time as an electrician. And I remember just thinking, probably because of the years of my life that I missed out, I took that chance to go full-time, probably yourself, Dan. Mm -hmm. um, in the league that year, it was obviously Hibs Hearts Rangers, so I was like, I got offered a contract, I was like, I'm going to take it. I knew it was a massive wage cut for what I was earning, because I was I could have got a part, well, I was getting my part-time money from Musselburgh, and then my money from work as well. So I was actually financially getting good money, still gambling at the time, so I wasn't doing anything with it. But So I took the hit with Livingston, went, Full time there, which it never quite worked out because I was it was so hard to do. Because when I took that chance, I thought in my head, like, you know what, I'll take the, the hit on the money, I'll do a couple of jobs at the side here and there, a couple of homers, and that'll just that'll make it all rosy. But I probably underestimated the jump in level and probably the jump and commitment that you have to be shown to that level because I was. It's probably worse trying to I ended up trying to juggle two things, working on the side and doing that. And I wasn't actually giving it my full attention. Because I was on poor money, I, that obviously led to another way of making money for me was gambling. But that never quite worked out either. That was just <coughs> a good way of losing money. But it was quite rife in the Livingston team actually. And looking back, probably a lot of people in the same shoes as, as me. I was going to say that like, we'll get into that a bit later, but in terms of the culture of football, it is absolutely rife. Like we all know somebody, we all know somebody that's got gambling has has gambling issues a wee bit, and then we know people who think they don't, but they clearly do. In football, yeah. there's just so many. But we'll we'll, we'll get onto that. In terms of, away from the football, in terms of your family, in terms of like Zoe, obviously your other half, uh, Jessica, etc., the kids, and your mum and dad, and that did it have an impact on them? Did they recognise what was going on? With my mum and dad, especially, I feel still have guilt to this day. Every day I think about it, I just feel like badly I've done that to them and stuff. 
don't know, just so selfish. It makes you so, so selfish. Uh, my mum, she lost her dad through gambling as well. He was, she, he killed himself when he was only seven year old. So my mum's mum, my granny, she was right onto it. She knew the traits that I had because she's seen it in her husband. Um, and that's what really like fighting my mum. Just seeing, like, basically, she never had a dad growing up. So she was worried that I was going to be like that. And so was my gran. She was she was always like asking. She didn't care about anything else. She was like, "How's the gambling? Are you?" And it's just even looking back to that and just thinking, I wish, again, you wish you could have maybe stopped at an earlier age and made her happier and worry less because they were always worried about me constantly, always about me. But that's what, as I said, it makes you selfish. And you've got everyone speaking about you. I had family meetings at my house, like everyone coming up saying, "Right, what can we do to help this?" And, I'm probably just sitting thinking this is a lot of rubbish. Like, is that what you were like? Were you resistant to it? Were you just like, oh, shut up, I'm fine. I've got all this under control. Aye. Was that what you were demanding? Aye, to start, aye, before it got really, really bad, it was, I was just like, oh, I'll just hear them out, hear what they're saying. But in my head, like, it's another side of me saying, I'll be going tomorrow again, I'll be better. I'll be putting a bet on tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I knew that. But I'm speaking, being deceitful to everyone in my family that are actually looking after me. Um, so I had it, and my dad, my dad was never strict. Like and that's how I feel even worse. Like my dad was just, just like more disappointed. And that looking back now, that's like so hurtful to think that I done that to him. Um, he was so understanding, and probably just because obviously I'm his son still, he wasn't he? He was trying to think, ah, oh, you're not, and you're not too bad. You're still doing a lot of good in your life, and that, but. It's, he was just trying to see the best side, and I can understand being a parent now why he was doing that. But um, I'm just I'm looking back now, I just quite disappointed in how I sort of handled things in the first sort of few years of how bad it was. It takes over, as you say, the gamble takes over at the forefront. The rational thinking just uh, isn't there when you've got an addiction or you've got something in your brain that just isn't there but here's me talking I'm not fucking I'm not suffering from gambling so yeah I'm not one no talk. but you're right you're, you're spot on that's that's definitely what happens it's, it's as soon as as soon as you gamble like I'm not in control like right now I'm if I even if I so much as put a raffle ticket on anything that involves the, the element of winning a prize or doing something moment I do that, if somebody came at my door saying I've got a football card here, do you want to pick a number? As soon as I do that, that's me away. Like I couldn't I couldn't just do that and go back to normal. See I'm on the golf course with you Mikey, right? And I go like like fiver for this hole. Is that that would that still be an issue? Like we'll just do like a quid a hole or something like that. I I wouldn't I wouldn't even do it, but I, th- I think now that it's been years, possibly I could be okay with it. People, people would, that, who would know would just say that. No, I mean, I'm on the golf course all the time with folk, and they'll just, yeah. you just don't know why it's, it's interesting. And it makes it, aye, because it gives it, I understand why people do it, it gives it that extra bit of competitiveness. And and even you might think, oh, aye, but that's no gambling, that's just doing this. But it's, it's still an element. There's, a, there's obviously something in my brain that's wired up different to a non gambler because it's almost like a trigger switch. As soon as that goes, like I'm off, see it. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'd be saying and if I lost that next hole I'd be saying right like, £50 for this hole yeah I get that I next, get if that. I lose that right £200 before you know it you're just uh, and I don't know if in sport I know it's rife in sport I'm, 
it's I'm not an expert, but I don't know if it's linked with the competitiveness that sportsmen have. I don't know if it's almost like a battle against, like I'll show them, can like the bookies have on that one. Or I'll show them this one. I'm going to double the stake here. I'm going to actually beat them. Yeah, that's a great point, actually. That's a great point. But it's not sensible. You don't. No gamblers sensible with with their thinking and stuff like that. So, that, so in terms of steps that you've taken, there's stuff in your brain now that if see the, the doubt creeps in, you won't have a gamble. Is there is there something that you um, do in your brain now to just go right? I, it's, I well, I'm trying to think what I when I, it's talking about it helps. So talking with your family I, does it I actually like help? Yeah, I I do quite because I, I, I don't speak about it much, so it's quite I quite like doing it now and again. Like sometimes, and every time it's like a year passes, I like I love. Like I go down and I'll speak and I love telling my mum and dad and Zoe and that. I'm like, guess what it is today? And they'll be like, What what's going on? And I'll say that's that's been like two years since I had my last bet and everything. And that's like I get quite a crowd feeling to saying that to them and just seeing how happy they're. Um I talk and I've got a good friend, my brother in law, who I speak to a lot about it. Um he was he was really helpful because I'd never really seen that side them. We'd always have a we had a good relationship and it was always over just talking about football and silly stuff and um, and when the last gamble I had that was when I was at a really bad bad point that was like three years ago it was actually him I spoke to one night and Zoe had left me by this day. she had said it was over no there's no going back now it's far too much obviously broken promises I told her three or four times that you know I'm not going to do it again now how is she to believe me? So in my head, I was away. Single, I was going to be on my own now. So that was, I spoke to him and he he basically said, like, just even if that is the case, you can't let your life just go down the pan. You have to think about your kids and your your future. So basically, I had a chat with him in the car for like an hour and I just, I came out thinking that was actually really good. Like sometimes it's good to have like a, to speak to not know that he was a stranger, but he was a stranger in terms of I never spoke to him about stuff like that. So it was good to actually be able to just open up and say, This is actually what I've been going through for the last X amount of years, and this is the kind of damage I've done. He though, like I'd, I was very secretive about it, so no many people knew I was up to it. And so after that, kind of what steps did I take I just had well, to you, you meant, that's great that you've got him so you've got one person that you can speak to about and, and it's, I know who Laddie like banter is and stuff like that no we are the changing room me and you and Goldie we just talk nonsense and not serious uh, but you need yeah. that sometimes that person that you can have a serious chat uh, so you've got that and then you also mentioned even though you're not coming out and clear and saying it but you're saying that like every time I had a goal every time I had a year every time I had a month it's like a milestone so it's, yeah. you might not even be aware of this that you're doing this, but listen, I try. I sound like a therapist here. It sounds like <laughs> you've got like you're, you've got like this process where you've got milestones. Would that be correct? Oh, definitely, Dan. I agree with that. And the first year, I'd always think like I'd always do it months. I was like, that's been two months. Mm-hmm. Um, but they do they do tell you just to take it day by day, which I do. But I'm not going to say that every single day. That's been 20 days. That's been 21 days. But I, I used to always in my head do it month by month. So see when I got to a month, I was like, that was a little sense of achievement. Yeah. But this time I had to, it became, I had to make sure it was years and years and years because I'd done months before. Um, what's, 
I don't know what's changed with this one compared to the last because I two there's two times I stopped. One was for nine whole months and one was for a year and a half. And this one's been three years and it's kind of been the easiest so far. It's like the longer it goes, it does get easier, hundred percent. So for anyone out there that is worried about it, I think it's although you're battling it every day, you have to keep on top of it. It's it's almost like going to a gym. It's like if you're really out of shape, you go to the gym the first few months, it's going to be a slog. It's going to be horrible. You just need to get through it. It's hard, mentally tough. But once you keep doing that, three years down the line, you're, you're just going to, you're just topping up, just a wee session, keep on top of it. That's what, it's, that's what I feel like it's like now. I still get the thoughts of gambling every single day. I get, I mean, you look at your screen, there's, I still actually take an interest in odds and things like that. Even for football, I'll check what odds are we at the weekend to win? And I'm not, I just do that because it's, that's like an interest to me. I've never, if ever got to a stage where I actually thought, I actually want to bet on that, I'd speak straight away. Because I know now how it works. The habits, the habits were all the same. The habits from my first gambling, to losing my money, to stopping it, to going back. Every habit, looking back now, is the exact same for me. So I know, I started to actually realise the habits and now that I understand them, it's actually helpful because it was the same every time. It was right now, like as it stands right this second, I am in total control of my, my destiny with, with what I do with gambling. Um, the moment I take that first bet, that's me. I'll, I'll be on a path of destruction for until I lose it all. And I, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't just like go on a, a week worth of gambling, maybe lose a thousand pounds, which is, it could be recovered easily. I'd, I'd need to lose everything I've got. I need to, that's the way I was. I was like, as soon as I started gambling again, I had to lose it all. And then when I lost every single bit and I couldn't gamble anymore or turn anywhere, I was like, shit, I need to deal with this now. I need to, like, I need to get back on the path again. So that's why, like, as it stands now, because I'm in total control of that first bet, I can speak about it because it's not it's not an urge to go and do it. Like I got, a, it's like a slower thought that comes now because I'm because I'm in control. So I've got a thought maybe, oh, good value there. I could put this horse on. My brain's actually saying that, but that's not a good idea because look what actually happens after that. You're going to put that on, and then it's going to possibly lose. And even if it wins, you're back into the bookies again. And you're, before you know it, you're sneaking out of the house at night, telling lies while you're away out. And that just goes, oh yeah, and then I'm away. Just forget about it. But it's, if I take that first bet, I'm knowing I can't do that. That's that's gone until I destroy everything. Great that you've now got that under control and you now have that in your head that you can now, you're strong enough mentally, strong enough in the brain to just think, no, one bet, trigger, that's me gone. You know that now. Uh, so that's, yeah. It's great, it's great to yeah. hear that. It's great to hear uh-huh. that. Like, as I say, we've been talking for ages, but I'm enjoying it, mate. Some, you're dropping some some truth bombs on me. I feel, yeah. <laughs> I feel, I feel very honoured. But I want to talk about the, the, the wider impact of football as well, because you and I both know, we mentioned earlier, that gambling is rife in football dressing rooms. It's absolutely rife. And do you think there's a reason why it's more prominent in football dressing rooms and would you say well, first of all do you think it's more prominent in football dressing rooms than wider society probably is I it's 
and the reasons why it could be anything because every, there's all different types of people gamble. It's not just, isn't it just that? You'd probably be surprised at some of the people that do gamble. But I think we, if you go to the top level, the first thing you look at is the amount of time they have on their hands. It's, it's scary. It's, what other job do you, do you go on for a couple of hours and that's you done? Because the top top level you go to, that's what they do. They, they, even in the SPL here, the English Premier League, it's you're literally Mondays and it's all cool and down sessions. They're all just ticking over. So much time and so much disposable income with, with football players. And there's that obviously the the level of competitiveness that might have something to do with it. I'm not too sure. But it's quite a I think they try and make gambling quite a cool thing to do as well. And football players tend to be in on what's cool. So I think that's uh, years ago bookies used to be dingy and used to associate a lot of sort of drunken people and I'll kind of used to be a lot of people would actually say don't go into bookies, it's quite a scary place to go. Now it's it's made out like it's glamorous. It's like all oh, the flashing lights, there's you can bet on anything you want. And it's I don't know if people like to think that they're getting a bit inside information for somebody and uh, can listen to me, I've got this wee tip here and like to sort of be liked for doing that. That could be the reason. It's it's hard to tell, but it's definitely rife in football, especially and I can talk in talking experience here, to be honest. It's I know so many different sort of even younger players that have really, really struggled with it and I don't even know how they're doing now. It's a great see the great point about like wanting to be in with the cool kids in the dressing room. Football is what it'll be like. You want to be fit in the dressing room, liked by their teammates, and it is so like I was seeing I was at Livingston. I was Livingston before you. They would be like, oh, I've got like Colin Nish was coming in or whatever, and he's like, oh, I've got this tip on the horse, and you wanted to be around with him because he's like, everybody was, and then the Grand Nationals on, everybody was putting whatever on the Grand National, yep. and, and it was just oh, yep. the casino would do a bit of poker, etc. It was just because all the it was a culture at the time. And I wanted to just. Fit I, just, I had no interest in gambling, but I just wanted to fit in. Ah, you wanted, ah, it's like part of, even like the, probably going back a few years with this, but like the, the older generation playing cards up the back of the bus and that, it was always probably the characters and the cool guys up there. It was, you'd feel a bit like, if you were sitting on your own just reading a book or listening to music, you're, again, it was always happening up the back and you're playing cards up here, this is where the real guys are. That's the, that's the kind of feeling I got with gambling, that's why I, maybe link it to the, the things that I've said. The glitz and the glamour. I've even just, I remember even just at Forfa, and that was in 2012, this was a while ago. You could just walk in, you walked into a bookies with your Forfa tracksuit on. People like, like you could, like you, you wouldn't do that now. You wouldn't walk into a bookies with your, your club tracksuit on because you'd get, you'd get fined or something like that. You know, you'd be in trouble uh, from the, yeah. the club, but it was just gambling. It's not like it's a new thing, eh? It's like it's been a part of football, the football fabric for such a long time, I think. Oh, aye. Aye, it's definitely... It's, it's been part... Aye, which is why I think it is linked to the, the sort of... bit of the competitiveness and the, the coolness. I think it is linked to that a lot. It's probably... You probably struggle to find a, an occupation with a higher percentage of gamblers in football. Yeah, I agree. I would agree. Another thing, another variable I was thinking about is, do you think it's a bit of a class, a class issue as well, like sort of a working class, or maybe not so much now, but sort of seen as a working class 
pursuit and football's kind of a working class game if you know what I mean so that's maybe yeah. why it's more rife I'm just I'm maybe talking nonsense what do you think about that? Aye. Yeah. Oh it's definitely well if you look where all the bookies are it's it's no, it's no, no surprise eh? it's no surprise that there's um, no bookies at Barber and Barnton um, but there's five along Great Junction Street there's mm-hmm. ten going down Leaf Watt there's four on Easter Road and there's no surprise that there's where the bookies are located. That'll tell you a lot about um, the class because they wouldn't, which might come down to education. It's a whole, could open up a whole different kind of worms going down that route. When you, but the more, the upper class are all generally more educated about everything. Uh, they, some of the places, they wouldn't allow a bookies to be built in their little village or their, their street because they will link it to lower class like myself and people at Gamble. Not me though, I read books. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know what you mean. It is, it, it, to see it, it, you're right, these areas do tend to have like a lab books beside the volume hill, beside a bet, decent five or whatever. Aye, beside, beside a pub. And then in football, they do, they do, players do tend to be, they come from working class backgrounds. I mean, I'm not exactly um, part of the, the Royal. I don't know. I'm not exactly part of the higher class, but for me, footballers look at me and think, look at this nerd, look at this geek. I've had it. For me, though, it's like, Mikey, I've had it all the time. But, like, just the dress room is just full of the kind of characters, sort of working class characters. I can see why they're sort of drawn in. It's part of the culture, maybe more so than not. Another thing I want to talk about with football was gambling companies. I want to know your, your point on this because something that's not sat well with me is that they are ingrained in sponsorship in terms of sponsorship on teams, sponsorship of the league, sponsorship during TV ads for the football, uh, whatever. It's just yeah. everywhere you can football, gambling everywhere. What sort of your, do you think it should be allowed? What's your thoughts on it? It's a tough one because, especially in Scotland, they actually they rely on the money so much. They're probably offering so much more in sponsorship compared to any other companies. So it's if you want to play and get paid and things, it's yeah, it's a catch twenty two because it's definitely, I definitely disagree with it because especially with the fact you can't bet on football, but it's thrown in your face as you say you're watching our game on telly. It's the first advert is about the next goal scorer, so it's it's became a bigger issue there because it's all linked to online gambling and making it easier for you. Years ago, you'd maybe put a bet on leave the bookies your home. You can't that's you done for the day. Um, now it's people sitting on their phone. So you're you're watching a game and then bang, that boy Ray Winston's up telling you put your money on this guy to score next and you're right on it. And I know people that don't even watch the game because they're that fixated on just bet I need another bet on this game. I need another bet on it. You're not you actually think are you actually enjoying watching this game of football for what it is or I think maybe went off subject there, but going back onto the sponsorships, it's um, they could do. I don't think there's an issue with them sponsoring, but they need to do more to educate. Uh, they need to educate people a bit more and maybe offer some the money they have, they could offer some free help in some sort, not just like put a little gam talk number on at the bottom of a, a leaflet or tell you. Next bet, put this bet on it right then, saying make sure you stay in control of your bets. That's that's no good for anyone. They need to really be like 
need to really show a caring side and say, you know what, like, you can actually gamble. And if you're going to get to a stage where it's getting out of control, it's basically not worth doing it. And you need to sort of show the risks and what that actually, what that kind of life can bring upon you because it can, it's not just as simple as, ah, he's got a wee bit of gambling, gambling problem. It's actually, like, it's probably the worst addiction out of them all, in my opinion. So it could lead you down a really, really dark path. Yeah, it's it's one of them that, that I, I see what you're saying, and they need to do more. But then if they do that, then they rely on these problem gamblers to be making all their money. They rely on this probably to. Yeah. That's why they've got so much. They've got pre- premium ad space because they're they, they're getting people chucking their lives at gambling probably. But aye, oh, they do they do rely on. I think if. We're just sensible gamblers. They'd, they'd probably still make, make a, a good living in the bookies, but the problem gamblers will shoot their profits up through the roof because it, it's actually it's all mathematics at the end of the day. It's it's all calculated out. It's, everything's just odds. It's 10 to 1. That's a 1 in 10 chance you're going to win that. That's no great odds. Mm-hmm. But you're, in your head, you think, oh, I've got a right good chance that by the way. Okay, I've studied their form and they could beat them. But your coupon is 50 to 1. They're going with mathematics. That's actual 50 to 1. 1 in 50, you'll get right. That's basically what that's saying. So they're winning 49 times. They're not stupid. They, they know it's they're going to win for it. But when you get problem gamblers, they don't think logically. They just, they're rash. Yeah. So they're going to, the profits will just mount up so much quicker. If they could like eradicate sort of problem gamblers or whatever, and you just had if they could still run a profit, then it's just really dirty what they're doing. If they can run at a profit without pro- problem gambling, and this here I'm yeah. speaking without knowing the facts, but like if they could run a profit without having problem gamblers, then it just doesn't sit well. It's hypo- Aye, it's, it's a, by the way, it's a, I'm not saying to shut bookmakers down because it's an enjoyable outlet for people some people work hard and they like a little bit my dad puts a coupon on every week one coupon on a saturday that's it maybe five or ten pounds so they shouldn't have to lose out for other people but as you say i think the top companies have to be doing more because the money they're making is through the roof their profits are going through the roof and it's just went up and up with online stuff it's just getting it's getting ridiculous it's a good point see the the thing that hits me hard about the football sponsorship is the fact that we are not allowed, me and you cannot bet on Mexican third division football. We can't bet on any football worldwide, right? So yeah. then there's a sort of shame attached to it as a footballer, right? That, that you, like, So there is players, I know players, I've played with players in the past who have gambled on football when they shouldn't have. Mm. Not in their own yeah. games, but on, and they shouldn't have. And then there's a shame attached to them. And then when they do have a problem, they don't come out and say they've got a problem because then... They might get banned or a massive fine from from playing football. So it's just the sh- the shame, the hypocrisy of that giving players shame, and then it's in your face. Here's Marathon bet on the fucking strip. Here is whatever, everywhere it's at. Anyway, yeah, that's, that's a bit, definitely disagree with that. I'm yeah. totally because it's I don't know what it's like. Why they've stopped players betting on football in other countries is it's almost like like we'll just stop that completely because. They're obviously worried about people getting tips and like inside information. So the easiest way to do it is like you're no you're no better on football, full stop. And that's but they're going to continue to shove it in your face and can it's not really fair what they're doing with that. And they're they're actually exposing a lot of a lot of players for almost making them out to be cheats and things, and it's not really the case. Um, 
So that's a quick pull they've done with that with a lot of players. An annoying one. It's like as well was you see the I don't know if you've seen the Kieran Trippy thing, but Kieran Trippy went to Atletico Madrid. Ah, uh, I see that. Uh, yeah. to... And he didn't even like. He was just like, oh, "Was it done?" He was like, "I ah, just." They went should a lump on. It's done. Deal's done. But he wasn't yeah. saying actually like. And then he basically gets a nine-game ban because he played the bookies at yeah. the one game. But I know another one that stood out for me was it was the FA Cup game. Do you remember? It was a lower league team member, the big goalie, the heavy guy who was on the bench. Eating the pie, because you're, yeah, the eating the pie thing. Go and explain that. But my argument to that is, like, he got done for that, saying he fixed it. Why is that even a, an option to bet? That that was a special bet on tonight. Like, will he eat a pie during the game? Yeah. Why are Ridiculous. the bookies even offering that as a bet? It's like, and then he ate one. And then he's he's got a big ban saying he fixed it and everything. It's just absolutely, it's, Getting ludicrous, like the things you can bet on now is laughable. And they need to, that's one thing that's you actually need to stop and realize do we need to be doing that? Fair enough, like sport, like Greyhounds, horse racing, it's been around for years. Um, so it work goes in trainers, things like that, but it's crap like that. And even with betting on first corners and football matches and things like that, it's just ridiculous now. It's things that I think has to be sort of reined in a little bit. Yeah, I agree completely. There's a difficult one. See, where I was having this debate with someone about where do you draw the line with gambling companies? Because I said that I'm not a fan of them, but then you need the money, I suppose. And then you've got, I watched the Hearts game that day. There's a dragon soup being advertised down, down the back. <laughs> I mean, is, should that be allowed? I don't know, because I've had a couple of dragon soups when I was younger and I didn't end well that night. And then you've got uh, like Qatar Airways sponsoring whatever uh, Pep's team, and then they've got their money's illicit and dodgy, etc. So it's it's a hard one. You're right. Where do I, you like? Where's your moral compass with the money? Where do you where do you draw the line? So it is a really difficult one. It's a really difficult it is a tough one, aye, because I think if you knew the truth about a lot of things in life, would you still do it? But I think as humans, you still have to be able to. Just because it's dragon suits advertised, it doesn't mean you have to go and drink it. Or a great believer in trying to be in control of your own actions, and that's. It's tough when you you have got a problem like I did, but I, I never it never made me think, oh what if, if I seen like an advertisement of William Howard and somebody strip, it wouldn't wouldn't really affect me. I think if I was going to gamble, I would have found if I was in the middle of a desert, I'd find a way to gamble. I don't need it thrown in my face. If I'm in that zone where I really need a gamble, I'll I'll find a way. I could in some of the stories I heard that gamblers anonymous from guys. And one was a an older guy, he was off it for maybe 10 years. And if a new member came in, they'd always do like a therapy session and somebody would speak about their whole journey. And it was all about how bad it got and then how good it gets after you stop to try and make help somebody. So this guy was telling me, I always remember the story. It was his mum's funeral and all the, they were all at the house just before they went in the car. And I think it was a short walk for there or a short car journey for there to the, the church where they were going. And he said he wanted to walk. And he said he didn't feel comfy going in the car. And it wasn't actually the reason he didn't want to go in the car. It was actually the fact that there was a bookies on the way. And he went and put a bet on on the way to the church. I mean, he was just about to bury his mum. If you're in the zone and, and you want a gamble, you'll you'll find a way to do it. Um, probably the same with alcoholics. If they, if they really need a drink, They'll find if there's a bottle of beer lying in the street with a dregs in it, they'll drink it. Yeah. So it's 
if you're in control, it's it doesn't help because the more it's thrown in your face, it's planting little seeds. But you still have to it has to get to a stage where you think you have to be able to make a decision for yourself. You can't have because it would where would you end with that in life? Like there's stuff. You can't always say you've got to control the controllables, haven't you? You've got to take the ownership of it, and it's got to be you that really does it. You can't make excuses all the time, can we? About yeah, exactly. But I, but I know what you're saying. You they could be doing a lot more to help. That's that's Mm -hmm. the problem. I think they could be doing much more to help. It's like the fag packet, the other little bit that's may kill you, but really they're not that arsed, are they? They want you to buy the fags. They want you. They want you smoking. Jimmy, Jimmy, at four, four in the morning. Park <laughs> up, Dukey looks at that. I think. Oh. Nah, I'll just that. leave it. I'll just leave it. No, of course he's. Yeah, you're right. Right. The last few questions. I know you. How long have I got? How long have you got? Because I've got a few more. Things. Um, like fifteen minutes. Fifteen minutes. Let's quickly go through these. So, from your experience, what support systems are out there for players? Because I know we both know those players are struggling with right now. Do you know? Have you utilised or do you know of any support systems that are for players right now in Scotland? Players. There's one with the PFA. Um, Have you utilised that? I, I used it. I used it once. I spoke, I met with a doctor. He was a nice, really nice guy and he never named names, but he said like, you wouldn't actually believe how many players are coming to me, top players as well. Um, that actually gave me a wee bit of that made me feel a bit better about myself, actually, and I heard that because I thought, well, you know what, it's not just me. There's obviously, this is rife, especially in, in football. So that gave me a wee confidence boost. That, like, I'm not, basically not alone here. There's loads of us in the same boat. Um, that was, uh, I actually got the card for the PFA. Um, it was free help as well. It was quite good. You basically got a number, left your details and. I got a WhatsApp for the doctor and I met him somewhere, had a coffee and a chat and he was there whenever I needed him. Uh, he was he was good good to chat to and that's the only help I've sort of seen in football. Like. Yeah. So, so if I would that sounds good though. That sounds like a good bit of advice. So if you've got that con if you're a footballer anyway, contact the PFA because there is, as you say, there is systems in place that'll keep you anonymous yeah. and it'll make you feel better that you're not in this like by yourself because as you say. Yeah. There's loads of players. You don't want to be the one that's got the shame and I can't control this. I'm the only one that can't control it. You'd, you'd be amazed. Eh? You'd be amazed yeah. at the, the players that are, that are in the yeah. same boat. Exactly. Next thing I was going to say was, should we, as we said, we sort of touched it, should we be educating young players on the dangers or do they not already know the dangers and they're just getting caught up in them anyway? So does education generally help say, listen, this is a bad path to go on because this could happen, this could happen, or is it just a case of they already know the dangers and they're, and they're participating I, anyway? I, I think there should be more done with it. Like, there's not been enough done, especially, it'd be, I think it would be very helpful if you got ex-gamblers speaking to football clubs with young guys, I'm not saying myself, but even some people have played at an even higher level. I think if, if young people hear it coming for them, I think that will really affect them. Because that's people they look up to. I always remember my mum was like that. She was trying to, when she was thinking of ways for me to stop, she was like, I wish I could get in touch with David Beckham to speak to you. But she always thought that would help me. And as I say, that's something a different person. Like if they're playing football and they look up to somebody, if they're hearing it for them, it might actually affect them 
differently. At a young age, a young football player is usually your biggest influence in life is like outsiders or friends and you you don't turn against your family, but you think you know better than your family. So hearing it for them, it's not, maybe it doesn't have the same effect, but I think if they've got some ex-players going around clubs and just speaking to guys and, and basically just saying, okay, we're here for you. If, you. if you do need to speak, we've been, anyone that's struggling with gambling, we've been in that position and there is light at the end of the tunnel. It can actually get better. That's great. That would be great if they got something like that in place. Even just you know, listen to this. If someone's listening to this, because uh, there'll be our real fans. There'll be pl- there'll be people who know you that are seeing you do this, and I'm hoping that that rings a bell with some of them. Because you're right. See, when I was younger, if someone who actually played the game came and said something, I would I would listen. I would listen. I'm rather yeah. a, te- a teacher comes and tells me something. I'm not interested. But see if a player yeah. comes, someone that you look up to. But aye, that's that would be good going forward. Right, final yeah. thing. Final thing I want to say because I know you've got to get off. If you were to three things right now to someone who is struggling with gambling, three bits of advice or any bits of advice, just to finalise this quick advice on how to get out that spiral. Uh, the first bit of advice that you need to do it's not even a question. Is you have to be, you have to open up everything to somebody. You can't hide anything back. And I'll tell you why because. Just say, for example, I've lost X amount of money. I'm in this much debt. But I'm going to hide this little bit of information from my mum and dad because I, want them, I don't want it to sound too bad. That's First of all, it's that you're not actually telling the truth. There's a little lie there. And then as you start trying to recover, you've still got this little issue to deal with and it's that becomes a bigger issue. And then you start telling lies to cover that. And all of a sudden, three months down the line, that, lie comes out and they think well I thought you just told me the truth I mean what's happening here are you are you as if have you told me everything and you're back to square one it's a really tough tough talk and it's a, a hard thing to do is being honest and really saying I had to basically say right this is me this is what I've done I've lost that I'm in this much debt done that to them that's the reason I, I lost my job and that's it and every single bit of information you've gave them. So see, I got to a stage now where I can say to Zoe, ask me anything you want in the world. Just ask me anything about money. Where does, you can say, like, where's that £20 that's in my wallet? Ask me where it came from. I can answer it straight away. But when, when you're gambling, it's it's lie after lie. You're covering a lie. You're telling a lie to cover another lie to cover another lie. So if you're if you're in that stage where you're, you've hit rock bottom, you have to come out and just empty every single party, party out and just start again. That's that's the first bit of advice I'd give to somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the second part is probably just because it helped me. I'd maybe say try and reach out to somebody a wee bit differently. You're not expecting it from because it gives you a wee lift. See if you, maybe in the back of your mind, I, I always thought I'm not going to speak to him because he's not going to be what to hear this. He'll know what to hear what I'm, my problems. But I think if you go and speak to someone, and they come back and actually listen to you and say, I'm here for you. That gives you like a wee boost, like, wow, I didn't expect that. And that's another person that knows me and knows like when I'm around, they'll maybe say, how are you doing? How's can how's things with going with the gambling? And, and it's brilliant to tell them. It's uh, when you're at a stage where you're, you've not done it for a while, you feel really like, can you're bouncing about, you feel really proud and, uh, that's that's a good bit of advice as well. Speak to someone that's that you wouldn't expect. As 
GA wasn't for me, but it is for a lot of people. I mean, loads of people go to GA and has worked. I mean, there's guys there. Well, Kevin Toddle, you're going to speak to as well. He's he's one of the main guys there. He's been there for years and years. And some people like to speak about it quite a lot. Obviously, if you go to GA, you're speaking about it weekly. I'm, I'm not as much as that. I don't like to... I almost feel like I've spent enough enough in my life people worrying about me and talking about me. I didn't. I don't want to be the talky conversation anymore. I don't want to be the topic. So that's why I try not to, to talk about it. But if I'm doing something like this now and again, I'm, I'm definitely going to here to help and hopefully it does help at least one person. And if anyone on the back of this has got any questions or um, want any advice or want to phone me, I'd be happy to take a call because that probably would have helped me a lot quicker if, if I got that advice as well. That's good, man. See, see if yeah. you're on that, that note, if they take you up on that, what's your your Twitter if they want to maybe follow you? Um, what are you on? At, what's your at? At Mikey underscore 21 1991. Grand. I'm sure they'll find you. I think I was you're, 21 when I started tour. I was born. Uh, you're the most popular Mikey McKenna on the on the on the on that app, so they'll be able to find it. And if they can, they can always just at me. I'm at, at LL Ramblins. Right, yeah. At yes. LL Ramblins or at Dad Denim and I can I can put you in touch. But Honestly, the last thing I want to say, because I know you need to get off, is just, it's been a pleasure speaking to you today, and just the, the honesty that you speak with is superb, mate, and I, I think it'll be eye-opening to, to a lot of people out there, and me and you usually just sit and talk nonsense. This is probably the most serious we've been for an hour and a half. Would you agree? <laughs> Definitely. That's what I mean. It's good to speak to someone that different about it, because you get, it gives you a wee, it's a wee eye opener. You're like, oh, that was actually good. Quite, it's good, and it's now and again. I like getting all off my chest because it's it is something you become proud of, and <clears throat> everyone will. Again, you can do it. It's definitely we're all humans. We've got we are training to be in control of our own thoughts, but once you get on top of that, you can you'll crack anything. Because I think it's I do think it's the worst addiction out there by brilliant. far. Right, brilliant. I appreciate you coming on. All right. Bye, that was good, Danny. Right, you take care.